0: Hello and welcome to On The Menu. I'm Sadi Usmani and for the next half an hour, I suggest you get your apron and join me in my kitchen. Today, there's a Greek flavor to my cooking as I'm rustling up some delicious moussaka. The basic ingredients that you will need are aubergines, beef mince, tomatoes, garlic, potatoes, milk and olive oil. It is one yummy dish. So let's get in the kitchen. Moussaka is one of my favourite dishes. Now, I know that every week I actually come on and I say, oh, this is my favourite dish. But then I suppose that's what being a foodie is all about. And that is exactly what I'm like. So now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start off this moussaka. And a moussaka, if you haven't made it before, it's a kind of, it's equivalent to a lasagna for Italians, for Greek. It's not only a dish that's served in Greece, but it's popular in Levant, Middle East and Balkans. And they're kind of slightly tweaked versions of it every so often. But I'm gonna tell you, now what I've got here is I'm just going to prepare the stuff it. I'm just washing my aubergine. And I've got some potatoes. This is the preparation we're just going to do for the masaka. There's kind of four stages to this. First of all, you need to just get everything ready. Then you need to, um, you know, fry your eggplant. So the actual masaka itself is a beautiful dish um, uh, using aubergines, eggplants. Okay, and it's based on that. And what you do is you have layers of succulent beef with some lovely with some lovely herbs and spices in it and it could be lamb it could be beef and in between those layers you've got this beautifully fried aubergines which are slightly kind of charred and then you also put layers of potatoes in that and that's all smothered at the end with a thick layer of bechamel creamy white sauce Now doesn't that make your mouth water? (laughs) It does mine. You can feel it like now I'm salivating already. Okay, so now I'm just going to get everything ready for it. I've got this nice large aubergine and the aubergine I'm just going to slice. You can slice it whichever, I'm just doing it in kind of rounds because it's quite a big aubergine. So just slice your aubergine. And now, they do say sometimes that, you know, you can salt aubergines. But to tell you the truth, I've never really had to, unless I really wanted to get rid of some of the water from the aubergine. I think there was a time where aubergines used to be quite bitter. But, you know, I never actually come across any aubergines that bitter. I'm preeling a a red onion here. And I'm just going to chop that up into fine bits. And I'm just going to peel a uh, potato. And again, the potato is just going to be sliced and make them quite thin slices because this has to sort of cook in the oven. You do need an oven for this dish uh, because when it cooks, it's, it's gonna be in the layers. And uh, although you're gonna cook the meat before, the aubergines will need cooking and stuff and the potatoes. So I'm just gonna peel that potato and get that ready. So everything is ready and as I said you know I think the eggplant is something that here in Hong Kong is used a lot in cooking and it's lovely the way they use it because also they steam it and so it maintains its lovely colour as well the purple colour of the skin but sometimes in the UK and other, and certainly in the Mediterranean it's used a lot and it's very popular. And um but the problem is I think um certainly in the UK where I've spent majority of my time, suddenly when you mention I'm just chopping up some garlic as well. Um suddenly when you mention aubergines, people go, oh, aubergines are so boring. But you know, aubergines are just undervalued, seriously. I think the aubergine probably needs um, a PR campaign to really promote it, certainly in the UK, because you only have to step out of the UK and go to, to Europe and to, to other places like in Greece and, and you know, and, and the Middle East and stuff. And then you see aubergines are everywhere and they are cooked in all sorts of different ways and they are absolutely delicious. I had some peeled garlic. I'm just chopping up garlic. So in front of me now, I have got some chopped up sliced, um, sliced aubergine. So I'm going to slice my potato and I've just dropped it on the floor so I shall pick it up and give it a wash and I'm just going to slice the potato into very thin slices, as thin as I can because I want that, that's going to cook in the musaka, so that's that and then we're going to, the next stage I'm going to do the meat if you don't want to use meat for this dish you can use some other vegetables so you've got your aubergines anyway you could use more aubergines it's also a low carb dish because you don't necessarily need the potatoes but i love the potatoes in it let me just chop up some tomato as well i've got a tomato i like to put tomato in it this is my recipe for the masaka okie dokie so i should be back in a moment Okay, right. We're set for the next stage. And um, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna leave the meat sauce at the moment because I have sliced my aubergine. I want to get that going because I don't want that to start turning darker. It'll start kind of browning a little bit. So it's best to kind of get, rather you soak that into in water with a little bit of lemon, or you um, just get ready to use it straight away, and I want to use it now. So I'm just going to fry that. I'm just um, heating up a frying pan, and i just put some olive oil in it. Now, you know, I, uh, I always say I'm pretty lazy, right? And, you know, you can fry individual bits of the aubergine, but to tell you the truth, I'm just going to fling it all in here, quite a lot of it into the frying pan. And what you're really looking for, there you are, and if you do put olive oil, I put a little bit of olive oil into the frying pan, What you're really looking for is to char that up a little bit. And you'll find that the aubergine is like a sponge. It just absorbs any oil that you put in it. But I don't want to overload it too much oil, although olive oil is lovely, but I don't want it to be too greasy or anything like that. So I'm just going to kind of let it absorb the first side of oil and then I'm just going to turn it around and then you'll see that it kind of gets a little bit translucent, a little bit darker, yellow almost because of the oil. And then it'll be ready so what you need to do is you need to get all of your aubergine and um, just fry it up like this and when it's ready then you know then you can just put it on a plate and leave it because that's risk ready for the next bit Um, now moussaka for me is a really lovely sort of comfort dish and um, and i find that you know homemade moussaka you can do it really well at home it's brilliant i was really really disappointed i remember some years ago i was in Rhodes. And I was just so excited thinking, oh, I'm grabbing Greece! I'm gonna have a moussaka. And I went to a kind of roadside cafe and I think what it was, that there was too many tourists in that area. I'm just turning it with a fork and I could see the kind of lines. If you have a sort of skillet with lines on it, it's really good to do the, the aubergine on that because then the aubergine gets this lovely printed sort of um, charred thing on it. Okay, I'm just gonna get a plate for that to put that into So just get those fried up. Yeah, so I was in this place in Rhodes and I went to this roadside cafe and I was thinking, right, I'm just gonna go and have some proper, authentic moussaka. And I ordered moussaka on the the menu. And um, when it came, it was awful, seriously. It was, maybe it was because it was a touristy area. It seriously was, I think, out of a packet. And I just looked at it, and I was so so disappointed. And sometimes when you go to places, unless you know you're going to check through Google and find the right place to eat, um, you kind of you have certain expectations for these things. And um, so I was a bit disappointed. So I thought, no, my homemade one is much better. I'm just going to do that. But believe me, if you have this masaka, you'll want to do it again. It's so easy. I just suddenly decided I wanted to cook it today. So I thought I'll share it with you. You're listening to On The Menu on RTHK Radio 3. The next stage of the masaka is to get the meat sauce ready. It's just the meat base that we put in the layers of the masaka. And um, what I'm gonna use is I've got the frying pan that I was using to fry the aubergines because there's a bit of an aubergine flavor in there and there's a little bit of oil left in there. So what I'm gonna do is I'm just heating up some more olive oil and I'm going to pop in my garlic, just chopped garlic that I did earlier on. So just pop that in and just uh This uh, lovely fragrance of garlic wafts through my clothes (laughs) that's the thing about cooking you know Um, make sure you've got clothes on that you ideally will maybe change later okay so there's the garlic and i don't want to sort of brown that or anything like that i'm going to put in my chopped onions just throw my chopped onions in there and i just want to sort of cook those a little bit before i add the meat now, remember what I said, that you can actually do a vegetarian lasagna. Um, oh, lasagna. It is like a lasagna in a way with the aubergines. Um, you can do a vegetarian masaka. So you could use like, you know, cut up some courgettes, you know, some zucchini and use that in there. You could use some uh, bell peppers as well. But the sauce that you use can be this. This is the base of it. So you don't have to obviously put the meat in. Um, And it's a nice vegetarian dish too if you don't fancy doing the meat. What I tend to do is I just get small amounts of meat and I just keep them in little packets in my freezer. So if I fancy it, I'll just do it quickly. But I don't, I'm actually cutting down on the amount of meat um, that we have in, you know, in the week and stuff because it's just not good for you. I mean, to have too much of it. Everything is in moderation really. So now I'm just doing the onions and the garlic and the onions are getting slightly kind of softer here. And um, it's all in the frying pan. I'm going to add my meat. I have a little bag of um, beef mince here. I get it, um, at, I go to the Haifong temporary market and um, there they've got some butchers and stuff where if you have a piece of beef, they will chop the, the beef up in just kind of very small pieces so it's like a mince but it's still a bit chunkier so i have the beef from there which is quite nice it just adds a little bit more texture to the dish to any kind of mince dish that you have so now i've added my beef to this frying pan so i've got the beef onions and the garlic beautiful fragrance of the garlic and the onions coming through now and um you know thing is when i'm cooking this i'm not putting my extractor fan on because um It makes too much noise and you wouldn't hear me. So I kind of live in fear that my neighbours are going to knock on on the door in these flats and say, excuse me, but it's a bit smelly in there. But anyway, so there is my beef. I've got my beef going. Now I've got some chopped tomatoes. I've got some tomatoes which are in sort of, they're from a tin. You can use fresh tomatoes as well. I'm just going to put in some tomatoes I have got a tomato that I chopped up too, so I'm going to put part of a chopped tomato in as well. The chopped tomato will give it a little bit more of a texture. As I said, the sauce will be a little bit more. I'm just mixing the tomato. Um, these were just like um, cherry plum tomatoes. The plum tomatoes are really good because they have, um, they have a nice smooth um, tomato juice in them too. And they always, they always seem to be better quality, some of these plum tomatoes compared to, say, chopped tomatoes in a tin. And uh, tin tomatoes are quite expensive here in Hong Kong, so, you know, but they're great, they're just easy to use, and you can pick them up anywhere, uh, whenever you want, so it's not like they're going to perish or anything like that. So that's the advantage of having tin tomatoes. And there's good flavour in it too. So right, I'm going to let that mince cook a little bit with the tomatoes, um, and I'm going to, just from my cupboard here, just get out some cinnamon. I like to put cinnamon, and I've got some dried parsley and some oregano. So, if you have some fresh herbs, if you've got some Chinese um, Chinese, or you know, is it Chinese basil. That's right. You can chop some Chinese basil into this as well. I use kind of dried oregano. I'm just going to uh, just sprinkle a little bit of dried oregano. In Mmm, oregano is so nice, it's got such a beautiful smell, uh, fragrance, I always say smell, it should be fragrance. And I'm going to put in some dried parsley and I'm going to sprinkle in a little bit of um, ground cinnamon which really does add to that beef. It it just, the, the fragrance that comes out is lovely and that will stay with you as you make the whole dish. Plus I'm just going to put some tomato puree in that and I'm going to just find some tomato puree. The other thing that you can actually do if you don't have any tomato puree and you happen to have some some Korean paste, um, I've said this before in the programmes that I've done that you know Korean paste is an amazing ingredient because it's just got the thickness of the, the peppers but it's got a really and let me just taste it, let me just go mm. mm. it's a very sort of thick paste with a bit of a bite, and a very rich, and, uh, oh, I can really taste it, I can really feel the bite. I'm going to put a little bit of that in, and I will put some tomato puree. I always find that that just adds just a little bit of a kick to the dish, but it also, the flavors are quite strong, so it really thickens up your sauce, and it has a very nice flavor, and obviously that's kind of um, vegetarian, you know, you can use that, there's no problems with that. So I'm just going to let this beef... Just cook for a little while and then that's your next stage of the masaka done. So you've just cooked your beef and that's just going to sit. And remember it's going to cook again in the oven later. So I'm just going to let that sit until some of that sort of um, the olive oil from the onions just kind of seeps up, comes to the surface. That's when you know that's okay. So right, that's your second stage, or third stage, should I say, of the masaka done. And the next thing we're going to do, bechamel sauce, um, and hopefully once you master a bechamel sauce, you will never go hungry again. we're ready now for the next stage and that is to make the bechamel sauce now don't get worried about um oh my goodness that this is quite a complicated thing to do it's not um it sounds fancy but it's a kind of roux sauce or a bechamel sauce or a white creamy sauce whatever you want to call it and um, I'm just going to show you how, I'm going to describe to you how you make it. Now you can actually melt some butter and do it with butter. I've stopped kind of using, I try and avoid using too much butter. So I'm going to put a little bit of olive oil just into a saucepan and just about a sort of tablespoon of olive oil there. And then I'm just going to take it off the heat for a second. And I'm going to put in about a tablespoon or so of plain white flour, okay? Just sprinkle that into the olive oil and this is how you make this basic sauce. Now, I am very lazy okay, and um, I sometimes find that I can actually make this sauce in the microwave as well. But I'm doing this traditionally as you would do it like how people make it on the saucepan. So what you do then is you've got your flour right and you've got your olive oil and all I have done, I'm just going to put a teeny bit more flour in there because I want a nice thick sauce. The more flour you have in there the kind of thicker the sauce will be and to the olive oil I've just kind of added this flour and now I'm just mixing it with a, with a wooden spoon I'm going to switch it on to low heat here just mixing it with a wooden spoon until it kind of becomes like a paste so the the flour and the um, the oil just blend together into a kind of thick paste and um to that very gradually i'm just going to add a little bit of whole milk and i'm only going to just drizzle a wee bit of milk in there not too much just what i'm doing is i'm bulking i'm just kind of getting that sort of bulky pasty stuff into a more creamy sort of texture so just keep mixing it i remember doing an uh, an O-level in home economics, and this is where they've said, "No, you've just got to keep beating it, you can't get any lumps. Um, So that is the trick. So I've got it on very, very low heat, and I'm just mixing it with a metal spoon, and it's now becoming quite creamy. It just looks like a thick cream right now, and so that milk has blended in really well. The whole thing is, is you gradually add the milk so the sauce doesn't kind of get clumpy or anything like that. But I do have a rescue plan. If you find, if you find, this is cheating, right? But if you find that your sauce is getting a bit sort of clumpy and a bit lumpy and you think, oh my God, what shall I do? Well, then I suggest you get the hero, which is the hand blender and you just whiz it. Give it a good whiz and they, your lumps will go, okay? So now I'm going to turn this up a wee bit. And all I'm going to do is just warm that milk up, keep beating it with my wooden spoon. Um, this, as I said, I sometimes do it in the microwave, where I put it in like this, and then I gradually add to milk, then I give it about 30 seconds, take it out, give it a mix, then take it out again, give it a mix, and keep doing it gradually like that. The thing that that saves is it saves you having a saucepan that you have to clean. (laughs) You just have a kind of metal, you just have a glass jug or something. Best to use a bowl compared to something plastic in the microwave. So then what you do is like you just get that to a nice consistency. It's just got to be a thick white sauce, lovely and creamy. Now you haven't put any seasoning or anything in this, but when it starts to sort of bubble up and thicken up, Then you can add some more sort of, I've got the dried oregano, and I've got some dried parsley, and you can put just a little sprinkle of cinnamon in there as well, and some salt and pepper. And I always like to put just a little sprinkle of sugar in it, because it gives the sauce a little bit of a sweetness, which is lovely when it goes on to the meat. Um, So that is your sauce, just about there. It's just starting to boil, and it's getting a bit thicker. On the menu for our foodie focus this week is smoked paprika. Smoked paprika is a Spanish cousin to the more widely used sweet Hungarian paprika. It's made from pimento peppers that have been dried and smoked over an oak fire then ground into a fine powder. The spice originated from West Indies and South America and is manufactured in Hungary, Spain, South America and California. Smoked paprika is deep red to orange in colour and can either be hot or sweet. It is a strong, smoky aroma that can really add richness to marinades, stews and sauces. Careful not to use too much or it can be overpowering. Paprika is rich in several vitamins, minerals and antioxidants. In particular, one tablespoon, around 6.8 grams, boasts 19% of your daily needs for vitamin A. We are now ready to do the layering, okay? And there's just one more stage after this, and that's me eating it, okay? So what I've got in front of me is I've got a, a kind of rectangular glass dish. It's quite deep, and I'm going to make the masaka um, in that. So I have my meat in the frying pan. You can see pictures of this on my Facebook page. And I have the sauce, which is nice and thick now. I'm just going to check that for seasoning. Mm, that's nice. I'm going to put a little bit more salt in there. Just put salt and I'm also going to just grab some pepper and I put some oregano and some dried herbs in there so that gives it a really nice flavour and that sprinkle of sugar just adds a slight sweetness to the sauce which is quite nice. I'm going to put some black pepper into the sauce as well and just give that a mix and it's lovely and creamy. Now let me just taste that to make sure that's okay. Mmm, very creamy. I mean, you know, This is just like flour and um, a bit of olive oil, not too much. But it's a lovely, creamy, thick sauce. And it's lovely. And, you know, once you know how to make bechamel sauce, um, you can do all sorts of dishes. And it's wonderful. You know, it's great with pasta. If um, I taught my son it, and he is now, he has mastered it. He's about 24, and he lives alone, and he's now cooking all sorts of things. Mm. I'm just going to check my beef. The sauce is good on that one. I'm going to put a little bit more seasoning in that too, just a little bit of salt. I always tend to put the seasoning at the end because I don't tend to taste the food too much beforehand. Right, so I'm going to mix it up. So what I'm going to do now is in my dish, I'm going to just layer the bottom bit with some aubergines. And also at the bottom there, I'm also going to, on each aubergine, I'm just going to put some potato as well, some slices of potato. Few slices of potato. I've still got stuff in my mouth. You can hear me still eating that. That was the sauce. Okay, and now I'm going to put a spoon of that sauce over those aubergines and over those potatoes and just spread it out. And then just use part of that. Just use a big spoonful. And then to that, then I'm also now gonna do another layer of aubergines. Remember, if you're making a vegetarian one, this is where you just put your layers of different vegetables in. And I'm going to then put some more of the sauce, the beef over that. I might just put it all now. I usually do about three layers, but it's totally up to you. And remember, you know, you're going to put this into the oven. It's going to cook a little bit more. Let's clear the frying pan up. Sorry. To grab a spatula that makes better noise. Okay, so I've laid all the sauce in there, got all the kind of nice bits out of there. I can still see the chunks of garlic. It smells lovely. I can really smell the cinnamon. And now on the top, I'm just going to pour in the lovely creamy sauce. And I can smell the oregano, and it's just oozing in and just smothering those potatoes and aubergines. And that is just going to be the top of the dish. I can just see it seeping through to the potatoes, to the bottom of the dish. The sauce has just gone all the way through, which is nice. So then you need to make sure you've preheated your oven. And then all you need to do is just pop that into the oven for about sort of 45 minutes. I'm going to just sprinkle just a teeny wincy bit of oregano on the top because that looks quite pretty when it comes out. So there you go. It's all set, ready to go in the oven. the moussaka out of the oven now and uh, it looks great it's nice and golden from the top and I'll take a picture of it so you can see it right I'm just going to try this moussaka now because I've got to really try check that it's okay partly because I'm hungry too and I need to try it (laughs) so I'm just going to take some out it's piping hot, you've got to be warm once you take it out of the oven it's very very hot so maybe just let it settle for a little bit so let's try it now as I said it's incredibly hot now the aubergines are nice and soft and the potatoes have gone very soft and there's this lovely creamy sauce and um, and then meat is just kind of peeping through the sauce hang on Let me just try this. Mmm. Mmm. That's lovely. I know why I like moussaka and why it's one of my favourite dishes. Hang on. Mm. Mmm. I can taste the oligarchia. And the sauce is just so creamy, the roux sauce. And it's so easy to make as well. The aubergines have just kind of gone really, really soft. And they've sort of blended in with everything. Mmm. Mmm, that's delicious. So, that's on the menu for this week. That was Masaka. I hope you enjoy making it. And I hope you enjoy eating it too, which I'm enjoying at this moment. I will see you next week again on, on the menu for another delicious dish. See you then. Bye bye.